I don't know where you find yourself this morning. Maybe you are in a place of grief. Maybe you're in a place of ecstatic joy. Maybe you're in a great season of life. Maybe you came, and right now, if you're honest, you wanted to murder your children on the way to church. Like, maybe that's where you find yourself, wherever it may be. <clears throat> you know, this week, I uh, have a really close friend and, uh, who's a local pastor in town, and uh, we prayed for him a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Um, his name's Steve Marshall, and he was diagnosed with cancer um, a while back, and he's been fighting it and, and battling it, and the treatment options kind of stopped, and then Steve was, um, went on a, on a trial basis in Houston, and just so you know, we've been paying for him and his family's flights back and forth from Houston as a church because we love other churches, and we love Steve, and we thought that was the right thing to do for us as a church, so when you give here, give things like that and so we've been paying for that and Steve sent me this text um, <clears throat> this week and uh, this morning he'll be making an announcement in his church I'm going to try to get through this it looks like God will be healing me soon by calling me home my cancer has grown in my bones and lymph nodes as well as spread into my lungs and liver <clears throat> uh, we have a church in our community and a good friend of mine that's going to be really hurting this morning and uh this wonderful tension that we live in right this behold i make all things new right this incredible hopefulness inside of our souls that god is doing something new inside of us but also this reality that there's one day that god has to make everything completely new because nothing lasts in this world and i'll say this before i pray for mission view and before i pray for steve um, I, I deeply love this man, and um, he is the <clears throat> epitome of, of a genuine kingdom heart, and I am grateful for who he has been in my life because he has made things new in me by being a servant of God and by holding the truth and walking in truth and loving loving other pastors and us loving one another. I'm so grateful for him and his wife. And I know his family is greatly struggling with his children, grandchildren, and his church family. And so if you will, please, let's pray together. And then as you remember them over these next months, um, weeks, um, continue to pray for Steve and his family. Let's pray together this morning for them. Father, we, um, we come before you on behalf of, uh, of our brother, of um, local pastor, of church. Um, and Lord, we recognize that, that there's lots of churches, but one family in our community. And it's us, your children. And so, Lord, we pray for Steve, Lord, his, his family, or that you would comfort them in these days. But Lord, you'd continue to shine your light through Steve, as you have been so brightly into my life and to so many others, as he has hoped, believed, lived so well for you and your kingdom. Lord, we pray you'd be with Mission View this morning as they, maybe even in these moments, are hearing really hard news about their pastor. God, I pray that you would comfort them, and Lord, you would help our theology to become reality of the great hopefulness of heaven and the reality that one day, Lord, we will be freed from this body, this flesh, 
and all things set right with you. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you today. And, Lord, we pray that you would be with them, that you'd comfort them. And, Lord, that your kingdom would grow increasingly in the days to come because of the legacy, the life of Steve Marshall. And, Lord, that our churches, Lord, would continue to work well together and hoping and living so that every man, woman, and child would have access to the gospel in Northeast Ohio. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, and we ask this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so this morning, please do continue to pray for them um, and the, their, their family. Uh, it's funny, that, that language, every man, woman, and child. That was about four years ago, Steve and I sitting in a room where he was sharing with me this group of guys in Buffalo that we're going after Buffalo, saying, what if every man, woman, and child in Buffalo had access to the gospel? And they've planted 26-some churches now, and there's, like, this great work. in Buffalo, of all places, I mean, it's like Canada, right? Like, I mean, this crazy place up north. God's doing this great work. And Steve and I kind of had this dream, what if God could do this through our churches here locally? And so um, Steve's legacy is definitely going to live on in that vision. So if you will this morning, let's turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And uh, we'll be reading Psalm 37, 1 through 9 here in a moment. Now, um, this psalm is um, a psalm that really is about this bigger thing in life that we're headed to. And so there's this Proverbs. I remember um, in Proverbs 31, there's this, the Proverbs 31 woman, right? There's uh, this, this depiction of this very, very godly woman. And I remember sitting with a woman one time. She came in my office and she goes, I'm struggling with this text. And she goes, can you explain to me? Because I hate this passage, and she goes, the reason I hate this passage is I don't match up to this woman, and it's exasperating to me because I just feel like such a failure. And I said, well, you're in good luck because you're only 40, right? And the, the, the idea of this woman isn't that she was just like that, boom, in a moment. But in the depiction of the totality of her life, these were the identifying markers of who she was. This text is similar in that way in Psalm 37 because it's this picture of a, of a person over the span of their life, these defining markers. And in it, there's these four positive commands that we're going to look at this morning in Psalm 37, 1 through, through 9, that are these defining markers of the Christian life. And so as we think not about just making space, the series that we've been in, of making space for for, for now, for 40 days, but making space in the totality of my life, these are the four identifying markers that as we make space for God, these are the qualities or the characteristics that will be true of us in the long term, the span of our lives. So if you will, stand with me this morning in reverence and honor of reading God's word. Psalm 37, 1 through 9 reads, Fret not yourself, because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. 
For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Father, would you this morning help us to deeply understand this text, help it to to pierce our souls in such a way, Lord, that these qualities and the traits and the commands of this text would be true for us. And Lord, use me in any way you see fit to communicate your word today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So the first thing that we see in the text as we're looking at, if you're following around, following with us, is the first is to trust in the Lord. And so we see in verses 3 and 5, this kind of, this statement that said multiple times, trust in the Lord, trust in him and he will act. So trust, right, is this, is this first larger command that is, is told to us. In this. So trust, and this means to be sure of safety, right? There's this interesting thing that, did you know that children between the ages of three and nine months decide if they, if they can trust their parents? There's this thing inside of us that knows whether or not those around us can trust. I think my children have trusted their mother always, not necessarily their father. That's sort of a joke. I tease them a lot. And so trusting, though, is this thing that it is innate to us. And you know the people in your life that you trust and the people that you don't trust, correct? You don't say it out loud always. You might kind of cautiously deal with people. But trust is something we know well. And to trust someone means that I'm sure of safety, right? That, that in this relationship with this person, there's sure of safety. There's a man named Peter Cavanaugh, and he went on a three-month kind of journey to figure out some things in his life. And he went to Calcutta, and he went to the house of the dying where Mother Teresa was. And he was going to live there and be there for three months and serve. So while he was there, right, right when he got there, he, he saw Mother Teresa, and she said, as she says, said to many people, how may I serve you? And he said, could you pray for me? She says, well, what kind of prayer would you like me to pray? And he said, would you pray that I would have clarity of what God would have for me to do? And she laughed. She said, no, I will not pray that you have clarity. That is the last thing that you must let go of. I will pray that you trust and he, she, and he said, but, but you seem to have lived all of your life with such clarity. And she goes, clarity I have never had. When I read the Bible, I become more confused. When I, when I search my soul, I, I'm divided. But trust, trust is what the Lord has given me. You know, I think in many ways what we want with clarity, right, is we just want a spotlight into the totality of our life so that we know exactly what we're doing so we don't have to have faith anymore. We just know it. But God doesn't want this kind of thing for us. What he says is, I'm going to give you a dim torch, and I'm going to have you walk, and you're going to trust that I will do good for you all the days of your life. Now, we're going to talk about that this morning. I think God has proven that he can be trusted over and over and over and over again that he can be trusted. Trust in the Lord and do good, right? No one is good but God. To do his will, the ultimate good, his purposes, his way in this world. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Dwell, repose quietly, rest where you are. Feed on faithfulness. Be satisfied on good God's faithfulness. That's kind of a call to return to being the faithful people of God. See, God is not just faithful in our moments. He is faithful in our moments. But historically, 
He has been faithful, and it informs our present moments and our present situations that God can be trusted in our lives. Church, do you believe this morning that God can be trusted? All right, we're getting there. We're talking back. All right. I was going to say, if you're going to shout tonight, you better shout this morning, right? So we've got the Super Bowl. This is better stuff to shout about, church, right? So trust in the Lord and do good. So this is, he's, he's commit, commit our way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will accomplish all he has said. Trust in God, lay your faith upon him. But some of us live in this world, and maybe not some of us, all of us, at some point we have this kind of doubter inside of us. Anybody a doubter ever in life? A little bit. It kind of goes like this. Mm, I don't know about that, right? We say these kind of things. Mm, I don't know about that. You know, you make these comments, uh, again, in high school, I, I accomplished this, and somebody looks at you and goes, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if I trust you about that. Uh, I'm going to go do this. I don't know about that. I think we should do this. I don't know about that. And we have this thing in us, of this doubter, hater, nope, we'll see. And sometimes that translates over to God. Say, like, mm, I don't know if that applies to me. You know, when his word says that, like that applies to him but I'm not sure that applies to me. Uh, I don't know if I'm really comfortable. I don't know what the real interpretation of that. Just so you know, I went to school a long time for this very simple fact. Most of God's word is pretty straightforward. The everyday person, right, that's me, we, we can understand fairly clearly what God says and what he is commanding us. The issue that we face is we don't trust him, so we doubt. We hate, we say, no, we'll see, I don't know, maybe later, maybe when I get a little bit older, maybe when I get a little bit older, maybe when I get a little bit older, and then all of a sudden what happens? We're a lot a bit older, and we never did anything. So, but coming to a place of saying, God, I trust you. Why? How? Well, we can because of the character and the promise of the Lord. God is good, he is kind, he is loving, he is long-suffering, he is present, he is available. He doesn't want to condemn us, he wants to save us. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He will never leave us or he will never forsake us. He is gracious. He is kind. He is full of mercy. He is full of pardon. So how do we know we can trust him? Because this is his character. It's his DNA. It's who he is, and it's stamped in history. If you don't believe it in any other way, it's stamped on the cross of Calvary. Because God said, I love you so much. My kindness is so great. My mercy is so great. My patience is so great that I'm going to send my most beloved son to the cross to die for your sins, that you might be set right, set right, not at your own merit, not of your own trying, but because of me and my love for you. God's character is good. It's true. It's enduring. It's forever. Right, you can't breathe. All right, here we go. So God's not the issue. I am the issue. You are the issue. We are the issue when it comes to trust. God can be trusted. Of that, I am sure. Of that, I'm sure. So trust in the Lord, a defining marker of the life of one who believes. Another, he says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight in the Lord. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So delight yourself in the Lord. Spence, the commentator, wrote like this about delight yourself in the Lord. He says, draw from communion with God 
all that inward intensity of joy, which it is capable of giving. So in the communion with God, I'm going to delight myself with him. In this intensity of delighting myself in him, he is going to give me joy and he's going to give me all that I need. Then, the text says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this text is kind of an interesting text, right? Because what we could do with this is we just say, God's going to give me whatever I want, right? If I delight in God, he's going to give me what I want. It's kind of this prosperity type of thing where, you know, what, what I ask and you will receive. And so whatever I want, God's going to give me. That's not what this text says. He will give you the desires of your heart. Notice the word there is not flesh. It is not personal desire. It is heart. When right? Behold, I make all things new. When God gives us a new heart, he gives us new desires. He gives us noble desires, worthy desires, desires that are good for us and bring him glory. These deeper kind of desires. It's this resounding of Psalm 73, 26. We said a few weeks ago, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And when we come to a place with all authenticity and we say, my flesh and my heart may fail, I may die, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's Steve Marshall's text. Steve's saying, hey man, I'm gonna be healed sooner than later, hallelujah. Right? God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My heart and my flesh may fail Right, the strength, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, not the desires of my flesh, but my heart that delights in the Lord. So the two desires are very different, right? The flesh and the heart. The flesh desires only good for me. The heart, when it's transformed God, desires good for God, to bring God glory, to exalt him, to glorify him, to lift him up, to obey him. So the difference between, there's a difference here then too. There's differences of supreme delights and simple delights. And so it is Super Bowl weekend, right? Anybody cheering for the Patriots tonight? Two people. All right. We got you yesterday, bro. And so uh, we got more. So I think it's like 99.2% of the nation wants the Patriots to lose. Uh, That's what happens when you win so much. I know I'm a Packers fan. And so uh, that was bragging. And so, uh, but they're not in the Super Bowl. So stop talking to yourself, Ryan. And so... And then now the Eagles, right? Um, did you know the Bible mentions the Eagles over 20? Oh, sorry, I'm going the wrong way. Uh, just totally going the wrong way. I wore a green shirt on purpose today. And so, um, so, so simple tonight. Now, if you, many of you probably aren't like huge football fans, and some of you are. I've illustrated multiple ways I'm a huge football fan. I, I like sport. I like game. I like competition. And, and there is a joy that will be in my heart tonight as I watch the game, as I watch my team that I'm cheering for when, I hope, right? There, there's these joys that will come in our heart. And there's a delight that we find in these moments in life. And these are simple delights. And I believe that God has given us the ability to have simple delights in this world. And there's nothing wrong with those. But really the question is not simple delights, it's supreme delights. What is it that charges me up? What is it that fires me up? What is it that I find true, deep joy in? Is it God? Or is it something else? And I would say, church, hear me on this. There's no other delight worthy of delighting in. There's no other thing worth finding joy in because he is supreme. He is infinite. He is is never ending. You can never get enough of him. I mean, I had a great steak last night, but if I would have had 10 more ounces of it, I would have been miserable. It was a simple delight, but excess in that delight would make me sick. 
but delighting in him, it is never ending. You can never get enough. You can never drink enough. You can never eat enough. You can never receive enough because your delight only grows and grows and grows in him. Delight yourself in the Lord. Third, commit to the Lord. Commit to the Lord. Psalm 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. This is the idea of throwing your life unreservedly to God, holding nothing back. This is the yielded, surrendered life. Committing myself to the Lord. Committing myself to the Lord. Now, we live kind of in this world that we operate like this in our relationships. If you do this, then I will do this, right? If you do this, if you... If you love me this way, I will love you this way, right? It's this reciprocated kind of loving way in which we go about our relationships in this world. If you do this, then I'll do this. And we do this with God. I don't know if you've ever done this. Okay, God, I'm going to do this. And if I do this, then you're going to do this, right? Like we kind of barter with God and we ask him, okay, so I'm going to commit to you, but I need you to do this. And the issue we face with this kind of relationship is it's, right, it's dependent. It isn't commitment. It has conditions. And the thing is with God, which is so incredible, we just sang about it, that, that he has done this work that, that we couldn't achieve, that we couldn't get on our own, that we couldn't, we couldn't go after alone. There was no amount of good works that I could do. God freely gave his son for me. God said, I am committed to you. Will you commit to me? I'm committed to you. I have shown it. Again, cross of Calvary. I have stamped it in history. I love you. Will you love me? Will you commit your life to me and my ways? See, he's, he's worthy to commit our lives to, right? Because he can be trusted. Because he's acted in history past. He is the Holy One, the one who with his very word spoke the world into creation. The, the one who showed control over creation and the, everything that he made in ten plagues. Water to blood, animals, bugs, light, life. Everything that he created, he said, I'm still in control of it. There's nothing out of my reach. He parted the seas. He sends manna from heaven. He leads his people to victory. He protects his prophets. He sent the Savior. He resurrects the dead. He heals the sick. He forgives the sinner. He gave our Savior. He lives within us. He leads us. He guides us. See, he, he has committed to us. He has shown us that he is worthy of committing our lives to, that he comes through, that he always acts, that he's always there. He never gives up. But the problem isn't him. The problem is us. We are the ones who back off on our promises. We are the ones who lack commitment. And what this text is calling us to is commit my way to the Lord, an act of my, my, my will of saying, God, I commit myself to you and your ways. And then it's a twofold commitment and a lot more, but twofold maybe to think about it this morning. They're one and the same. Right? I, I, I can commit to him because his character and, and, and his ways have been cemented in time. His history shows me that I can trust in him. I can commit to him. 
and his love, his character and his love. They are these two strong, one and the same pillars in which we can rest on that I can commit myself to him and my life will be better for it. John 14, 23, Jesus answered him and says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Love acts if it resides, right? This, 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 this text, what it's saying is that if, if you've committed your way to God, there's this reciprocated way that you're going to live your life. You can actually see commitment. See, God has loved us. Will we act upon his love? The fourth and last thing that we see in the text this morning says, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be silent before him. Wait on his timing. Be patient. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Right? So the text saying, do not fret even though there's these irritating things going on in life. These not fair things. This guy is prospering and he isn't faithful. He's a liar and he's a cheater. I'm trying to be faithful and it doesn't work out. It's not fair. It's not just things that 10-year-olds say, right? These are things that adults say. That 10-year-olds do say them. I have one, right? And it's, it's not fair. What he's calling us to in waiting is to hold our emotions in check and believe something deeper that everyone will be repaid and vengeance will come. The evildoer will be repaid for his evil. It's not something I have to say not fair. Everything in time will be answered for. And so what we do in our world is we compare and we compete. It's the way we go about life. We compare and we compete. We compare and we compete. I got to keep up. I have to rush, I have to get after it. That dude gets his way and he's a jerk. We look side to side, we compare and we look around us instead of looking up and saying, I will wait on you. I will go toward your ways. I'm gonna live out your ways. If no one else in this room worships you, I'm gonna worship you, God. I'm going after you. I'm not going to be, I'm not gonna decide who you are by this guy or that guy or this woman or that woman. I'm looking at you and you alone because in the end, I answer to you and you alone. So this text is calling us to wait for the Lord and keep his way. The foolish will be cut off. Wait for the Lord and keep his ways. He will show up, right? Keep on believing, trusting in him, delighting in him, committing to him. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. You will not be cut off if you are of God. Your inheritance is secure. The text is calling us to keep our eyes up. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So this morning, let's be honest. We have some things that hold us back from this kind of living, from this living of, of this trusting right? And we, we have things that, that hold us back in our lives from delighting. There's things that hold us back from committing. There's things that hold us back from waiting. 
And if we don't give them up, these things that hold us back, if we don't make space for trust, delight, commitment, and waiting, we will never be the long-term, full-life, faithful people we were made to be. And I hope in this room that every last one of us desires to be. See, God is calling and challenging us today to give up doubt and to place trust. To give up delighting in hatred, gossip, envy, jealousy, women, men, friendships, money, sex, and start delighting supremely in him. To give up being a fence rider, not jumping and saying, God, my two feet are planted on your rock and yours alone. To give up being a fence rider and commit with both feet in to the Lord, yours. To give up trying to force God's hand in your life and wait on him. Waiting for his timing, not my timing. There's a song that's been in my head all week. It's an old gospel, southern gospel song. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Anybody know that song? Betty, you know it? He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. It's a really high-pitched voice. I'd have to, like, if I sang it, he's, it's too much, and so I can't do it. <laughs> to give up trying to force God's hand in your life and wait on him. Wait for his timing. Not, not your timing. Wait for his plans, not mine. For his guidance, not my logic. Wait, wait, wait on him. And the reason I'm like extra to give up trying to force God's hand in your life, God is at work in this world. And his work in the world is of supreme importance in our impatience and our self-judgment, and our logic often send us down a road. It doesn't go down the road God has for us because we're unwilling to wait patiently for him. And I could illustrate this a hundred ways in biblical characters who acted too quickly, who acted rashly, See, God didn't come in the rain, he didn't come in the thunder, he didn't come in the wind, he came in the quiet. Waiting patiently for him and his timing. So today, let's give up. Surrender ourselves to the Lord and choose to trust, choose to delight, choose to commit, choose to wait, choose to make space every day for the rest of our lives for the one who deserves it most. So one of the things that, as we thought about today, was... Maybe the best way to end this series, uh, our 40 days ends in the middle of this week, but to finish this series, making space, and to respond well to what God has said by taking communion together. So in a minute, the deacons are going to come down the aisles, and they're going to serve us. They're going to serve us communion. And as we take communion today, it's maybe a little bit different than when we normally do. Because when we take today, it's a response It's a response, always a response to what Jesus has done. He came. He was arrested. He was brutally beaten. His flesh was ripped from the back of his head to the bottom of his heels because of your sin and my sin. He was nailed to a cross, 
there where he bled and died. His blood, perfect sacrifice to cover all our sins. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead, defeated death, taught for 40 days, ascended in heaven. He's alive today as he ever was. And he is living and he is working in this world. But he said that we should take of these elements together. We should take of these elements together, the bread, his body broken for us, the cup, his blood shed to cover all our sins. He called us to take of these elements to remember him. And as we remember him, we remember the sacrifice that he has made. We can't help but choose to trust. Can't help but choose choose to delight choose to commit maybe for the first time maybe again and choose to wait on him so they're going to come and they're going to serve us and I'm going to ask you to take the cup they're going to pass it down the aisle it's a double cup hold it wait and as you wait contemplate what God has said to you this morning prepare your heart to take of these elements together if you've never given your life to Jesus Maybe today let the cup pass until this can have the depth of meaning it deserves to have in your life. Maybe today, right now, you want to give your life to Jesus, and when you take this element, it'll be the first time that you took of it. But today, might we respond well by these elements our Lord instructed us to take. So I'm going to pray. The deacons will serve us, and I'll come back up, and I'll lead us through a time of taking together. Father, we love you. Lord, we believe that your ways are good. Lord, you have proven your love, your character through time and history. You're a God who keeps his promises. You're a God who can be trusted. You're a God that can be infinitely delighted in. You're a God who we can commit to and know that you will come through. Lord, help us to be people that will come through too. Lord, we believe that you're a God that can be waited on. And as we wait, Lord, that you shape us in a greater trust and greater commitment and greater delight. So as we're served this morning, Lord, would you, would you help us to contemplate, to think, to prepare, to take of these elements which you instructed. Lord, we love you. Use this space, this divine space, to do something supernatural in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Deacons, if you'll serve us, and remember, as you're served, wait to take together.
night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take this bread, which represents my body broken for you. I'm going to pray and we'll take together. Father, recognize that you sent your son, our savior, into this world and his body was broken for our sin. We take this bread to remember his broken body for us. Let's take together. Father, we, we also know that on the night that he was betrayed, you took a cup and commanded us to drink of this cup which represents his blood poured out for us to cover all our sins Jesus we thank you and now we take together Father we thank you for these elements thank you for you trusted that you are making all things new today and one day forever increase in our lives Lord trust Commit, increase in our life delight increase in our life commitment increase in our life patience and waiting God you are good we love you Jesus we thank you what you've done for us on the cross. We ask this in your name.